it, it it's that will to make the choice and it it's so much of a struggle and everybody has them but you have to just trust yourself that this is the step forward and if that step forward is just pick up your foot and put it down in the same spot today then that's all it is today yeah. if tomorrow it's take six inches forward then fine maybe one day you're going to be ambitious enough and you're going to do a little sprint you know whatever it is appreciate it and love it and and it's part of your journey is there anyone out there from darkness to life explores the stories of real people who've navigated their way out of life's toughest situations emerging with greater strength and resilience if these stories remind you of your own journey and you or someone you know need help, our collective journey is here for you. Whenever you're ready to take that next step, reach out to us at ourcollectivejourney.ca. So welcome back to another episode of From Darkness to Life. We're here in the Plugged In Media studio as usual. Uh, Dave and Rob are pretty good to us. We uh, have built a really nice relationship with these fine gentlemen. So um, once again... Thank you to all the listeners who tune in every week and, uh, you know, definitely wouldn't be a podcast without you guys. So we really appreciate all the listeners and, uh, especially, you know, the ones that are, are new to the program. We have a lot of listeners that I don't know how they're stumbling across our show, but they're stumbling across it. And we have a lot of, a lot of uptick in our listener base lately. So that's fantastic. And I think it's, uh, it really coincides with the level of guests that we have on our show and uh, today I'm pretty excited about the guest we have today. Um, I got to know Trevor here through the local gym that I attend through Badlands Training Center and Trevor I'll let him discuss some of his accolades and, and whatnot but he's uh, he's a very well-versed boxer in his life and been through some some struggles and been through some things that uh, you know he's managed to navigate his way through and find some resilience and uh it's one of the things that i love about you know when i met trevor was and i'm speaking about you like you're not sitting here (laughs) uh was just how motivational you are man like all the things that you say in the gym and when you talk to the to the people who have memberships and all the people in class and whatnot right about that positive self-talk and that positive image and just what you say is what you believe and you know that really resonated with me when I first started hearing that at the gym and I've been to gyms my whole life and I've rarely ever heard any instructors telling that before so it was something that really hit home for me and well yeah I appreciate I I appreciate you pointing that out because it uh it took a lot of years of of mess ups and you know a lot of pain and a lot of agony before I understood that the the mind over matter and the body aspect and how it responds to our voice and how it responds to the voices around us. So surrounding ourselves with people that actually speak positively about us Mm -hmm. helps us grow positive affirmations for ourselves. Right. And then uh, instead of saying the word, I can't, which shuts the body off and the mind off from ever trying to figure out how to do it. I start saying the word I'm learning, or I don't know how to do that yet. Or Mm -hmm. I I struggle with that. Or I'm giving myself that opportunity to explore the learning aspect of it and have my mind set to figure it out like where there's a will there's a way so you can actually step on top of this and (laughs) say whatever struggle it is you only need three things in the world to ever figure it out you need the right time the right tools and the right training yeah if you have those three things in line you're going to accomplish any goal you ever want to it's just do i have the right time to learn how to use the tool do i have the right training to use that tool Right. Do I have the right time to accomplish the goal? Whatever right. it is, those three T's, 
Just figure out which one, if you're struggling with something, figure out which one you're missing. Maybe you're missing two. Figure out how to get them and, and you'll accomplish your goals. Right. Yeah, so, wow. That's, that's such cool advice. And I like how you said, you know, it doesn't really just pertain to fitness, right? It's about everything in life. No, exactly right. It applies to everything and anything you want in your, your entire life. Right. They tell people talk about manifestation and all this stuff. And I've had experiences with manifestation where I've focused on certain things. And, and, uh, one quick example is, uh, I saw this online video and, and I wrote, I followed the instructions of this video. And on a Monday, my wife was in Calgary working. And on this Monday, um, I manifested, I asked for $10,000. Well, Wednesday morning from Calgary, my wife called me up and said, I just got a $10,000 raise. And it blew my mind. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Holy shit. Really? This is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I told her all about this manifestation. And guess what? Well, we tried 150,000 times ever since and it doesn't work, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's truly, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it's where your heart is at the time, where mm -hmm. your emotions are, right? Like, we talk about fitness and I've been stroke, I've been uh, concentrating on uh, the people in my classes. Well, what is your motivation for being here? What changes do you want? Right. Let's get your mind engaged with what you're doing. You just, you don't go into a gym, lift one bump dumbbell and all of a sudden you got the arm you always wanted in your life. Right. It takes sure. work. Right. So it takes work on that mental side as well too. Yeah. If you want to make a change, a positive change in your life, you got to stay focused on it and you got to do the work. Absolutely. Right? You do the work, you get the, you get the results. So I ask people in the, when they're working out, well, when you come in to work out, even if you go to your job everyday life, right? What is your motivation for being there? What changes do you want to have? Well, maybe for someone it's vanity. I mm -hmm. want to look good in the mirror. I want to look good on the beach. I want women to look at me or men to look at me and smile and want to introduce themselves because that's attractive. Right. Um, maybe it's just health and fitness. Maybe I just want to be healthy and strong for my family. Maybe I want to play with my kids. Maybe I want to compete with my friends. Like these are all our own little secrets. We don't have to tell nobody these things. Right. But when you focus on them and you do that push up with that in your mind, the change engine has engaged. And now you're actually realizing changes much quicker than you would if you just did a thousand push ups. Right. So when you get that emotional attachment to your body mm -hmm. and to your mind and your, your reasons for doing it, that's what the change engine is. Yeah. I see people come to the gym every day, two or three times a day, and they don't get any changes. Right. But they haven't put their mind on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're still going through the motions, but they're not accepting that. And yeah, okay, maybe vanity, ego, it's a flaw, but it works. Mm -hmm. It's your motivation for being there. Nobody needs to know about it. You just, I'm here. I want to look good. I want to feel good. Looking good feels good. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And we talk about stuff like that too in our you know, at our collective journey with our recovery process and, and bettering someone's quality of life, right? We talk about, we use the analogy of going to the gym. You buy a membership at the gym, you go sit at the front door and you watch everybody else work out for six months. You're not going to see much change. And that's how we talk about, you know, you come, individuals come and connect with us and they want to see all these changes in their lives, but they want to sit at the front door and watch everyone else do the work. Mm -hmm. And they're not making that connection. They're not there for the right motivation they're not there to you know they don't have the buy-in yet they're we have to do the work and that's the part that i really had to focus on early on in my journey was when i initially went to treatment i thought they were i was paying twenty thousand dollars for these people to fix me yeah and and then i left there and i thought well i don't feel much different 
No, you're a hundred percent right because yeah. there's nobody that can fix someone who wants them to do it for them. For sure. There's nobody that can give you the body that you want, right? Mm -hmm. There's nobody that can give you the health, the speed, the power, doesn't matter what it is. Nobody's going to give you that job. Nobody's going to give you those groceries that you got to, you got to earn them. Yeah. You got to, you got to actually do the work. And if you're truly passionate about change, you need to put in the work to do it. And that starts with the mindset, right? So what I started for my physical changes was to look in the mirror and instead of picking out flaws, because the ego is a very powerful thing, right? Mm -hmm. So your ego wants to be fed all the time. It Tell wants to me be about it. <laughs> <laughs> it wants to be right. Yeah. Like it never wants to be wrong. It always wants to be right. So when you look in the mirror and you see flaws, your ego is going to program yourself to look for flaws and your ego is always going to have flaws for you to find. So if you're looking at these flaws of, oh, I got a donut around my waist and, oh, or my saggy arms my, or my man titties Dave. My, yeah <laughs> nice. all these different flaws that you pick out your ego is going to make sure it doesn't matter what you do your diet doesn't matter what your physical activity is it's going to struggle that ego is going to present those flaws to you all the time mm -hmm. right so you got to make sure that so when you change your mindset and you look in the mirror like for example myself what I do, the biggest change engine that I have had in my life, and I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed to say it. However, it is vanity. Vanity has changed my life. I want the health and fitness to pick to keep up with my kids. Um, I struggled when my first son could, at 11 years old, throw a ball farther than me. Uh, when my last son could outrun me at 14 years old in a speed race, I'm like, oh my god, what's <laughs> going on? Like you guys are, you're not that good of athletes, are you? Like holy, or am I just that old? Right? Yeah. So those things definitely mean something to me. But the biggest change engine for me was when I started looking in the mirror and I started picturing the body that I want. I started picturing the look that I want. Yeah. Um, and it's not a magic fix. It's not done something that just snap your fingers and it's done. I put the work in. So every time I look in the mirror, I'm not looking at the mirror and thinking, oh my God, I'm so sexy and I'm better than yeah. everybody else. No, she, no, I'm looking in the, the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking in the mirror admiring the image that I want to project to others, yeah. right? That I want to look, I want, I want to take my shirt off on the beach. I want to be comfortable. I want, I want my wife to find me sexy. I mm -hmm. want the, all these different attributes. So I'm looking for those attributes and I'm focusing on those. I'm not focusing on flaws that I have to correct. I'm just like everybody else. I've got tons of flaws, yeah. but I've programmed my mind to find the attributes. So now my ego wants to be right. And my ego is making sure those attributes are there. So I have a six pack, even though I eat a box of craft dinner almost every day, right. you know, I have a six pack. Um, and my son told me the other day, he says, dad, you're a little unproportioned there. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, your chest is small. Your arms are big. Your six pack is there, but you got no chest. And I'm yeah. like, hmm, well, hmm. what do I do about that? <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Good for you. You think that I'm happy with the way I look. I'm happy with the way, project myself in the mirror right so maybe i will change that later maybe i won't yeah. i don't know but right now it's just about that i'm going to pick out the things i love and appreciate about myself and then that is what my ego is going to feed and going to be right all the time it's going to be yeah you love and appreciate this you're going to have it you love and appreciate that you're going to have it and whether it's the ego that motivates me to go and get it by doing the work. Like one day when I'm looking in the mirror and I'm kind of tired and I'm exhausted and I go to bed and I wake up the next day, I feel, Hey, I'm motivated. I'm going to do a couple of pushups and sit-ups this morning. Yeah. With my motivation in mind. Right. And, and having that mental work 
will change much quicker than the physical work. It's like, uh, it's this, like this book that I read years ago. Um, they took half of a basketball team, they put them in their dorm rooms and they said, you're going to throw a thousand free throws laying in your bed, just in your mind. The other half of the basketball team went out to the court and they threw a thousand free throws. After a month of doing this, the people that went to their bed and threw it in their mind were 80% more accurate than the people who went to the court and did it. Wow. Because in your mind, you don't make mistakes. Yeah. You're going to swish every time. That's awesome. In the On the court, reality hits in and you start making mistakes and you start missing. Then your emotions get set in and you start discouraged. And you get upset with yourself. Oh, I missed five in a row. What the hell? I yeah, suck. Absolutely. You know? And that self-talk really damages you. For sure. Right. So when you're in your now, imagine if you could combine those both together, you're doing the work on the court and you're doing the work in the bed, right? That works. It's, it, it's an amazing, amazing tool. So putting in that work mentally for any aspect in your life, not just for health and wellness, but for mental health. Right. 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 How do I want to act when I go home? Excuse me. Do I want to be happy and giddy? Like when I was, uh, when I was fighting in the MMA, I would have to physically throw a switch in my mind. Like I would literally put my finger on my temple and I'd flick the switch. As I was going to the gym, it would be the Hulk I'm yeah. flicking that switch over to the Hulk. So I'd go to the gym and I would just be, you know, the, what you got to be at the gym. For sure. And then as I was going home, if I didn't flick that switch, I was still cranky. I was still aggressive. I was still assertive and annoyed. And I would be like, why aren't you guys disciplined? Yeah. Why aren't you eating properly? Why, whatever, you know, and I was just a jerk. So when I physically on the drive home, flicked that switch back to loving and compassionate husband and father, that would change my attitude, right? So when you wake up in the morning, what do you want to do? What do you want to be today? Do, yeah, I, have yeah. a, do I want to have an awesome day? Anybody comes up to me and asks me, how you doing today, Trev? My only answer is I'm fantastic or fabulous if somebody mm -hmm. else uses that word. Um, but, and it's a lie. 90% of the time it's a lie. But that little white lie turns into truth mm -hmm. because very, very shortly after I say it, if I say it to four or five people throughout the day, my day becomes fantastic. Yeah. It's like, wow, I just projected that, that energy that I put out to the universe came back in that way. Instead of saying, oh, and you start moping in mind, whining, oh, like, aren't you going to sit and listen to my, listen to my pity trip? For sure. It's like, no, people aren't really, some people do for sure. <laughs> they, they definitely want to hear your pity trip, but yeah. maybe they can help. But do you want to go on that pity trip? Yeah, for sure. It just gets you farther down that rabbit hole, I find. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a struggle, right? What I liked what you were saying about, you know, today you know, how are you feeling today and what are we going to do today? And that's, you know, in my experience and in my journey, that's all we have is today. Yeah, right? That's right. We spend so much time. I know I was famous for this so much time beating the shit out of myself for what happened yesterday and last week and all these other things that I failed at or I did wrong or poorly or, or poor me pretty much the victim. Right. Mm. And the other half of the time I spent worrying about what's coming tomorrow or next week or the month after that, or and I just completely, we talk about this all the time, completely shit on today and miss today, miss yeah. the opportunity that I actually have control over today to yeah. make sure that maybe tomorrow is going to be a better day by what I do right now. Yeah. And I miss that all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's a struggle. I'm sure many people do. And, mm -hmm. and I still do as well because I'm worried about what's happening tomorrow. You know, what are my kids going to do? What is my wife going to do? How are they going to feel? Yeah. Um, it, it's, 
it's a natural thing, right? Like it's, uh, um, f- for us as humans, if we're not prepared for tomorrow, then we kind of like, now we're living by the seat of our pants. We mm-hmm. spend all our money today. We party hard. We do all this kind of stuff. It's like live for the moment. Yeah. Okay. Be prepared for tomorrow as well though. For sure. But live for the moment. Recognize those opportunities when they open. Cause there's a lot of windows of opportunity that will open for you in the day. And if you're not focused on today or in that moment, you're going to miss them. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, and I've had my struggles, right? <clears throat> I have, I've had doors slammed in my face. Um, I, I've fought world champions in my life. And then I look at myself and, and I, when I went to the Olympics and I stopped fighting after that, I went into a depression where I was bitter and angry with my Olympic journey and, and not to, um, not to say anything bad or derogatory about it. Like there was so many great people that helped me along the way. Like I can't even list them all. There's so much support that I got from Medicine Hat and from Thunder Bay, my hometown that we came from. Right. Um, however, I thought to myself, what, for what end, what, what happened? Like I, I come out 10 years behind in the workforce. Um, I were, we're scraping peanuts together to try and feed our kids, my wife and I, and, and, um, we got nothing out of the athletic background when I had the ability and the talent, I fought world champions. I was in the ring with them. I lost on decisions to these guys. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, where's where's the financial backing behind that? Where's right. the, where's, where's my take from all this? Yeah. Right. And I went down to a, a deep rabbit hole where I was just depressed and angry and pissed off that I chose that lifestyle because I sacrificed 10 years of my life. And I was like, what am I going to teach my kids? Yeah. And my wife quite literally gave me a smack in the head and said, what are you fucking talking about? You taught your kids that if you have a dream, you go for it. Wow. Right. You, 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 get off your ass, you do the work and you chase that dream. And if it doesn't help, if it doesn't come a reality, well then maybe it wasn't meant to be, but you don't want to be that guy that's 50 years old that says, Oh, I could have been for sure. What if Yeah. big, what ifs like those are things that haunt you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you get out of bed in the morning and you can appreciate your day, uh, wherever you slept the night before is what opportunity can help me be a better version of myself today. Yeah. Like just today, that's just one step at a time. Just, I, and it took me a long time to get out of that depression and start to think and, and change um, in that way where I was a better father and a better husband and a better provider, right? Like I said, starting the, starting the, the, the providing life 10 years behind everyone else because I was such a selfish athlete for 10 years after I had kids. It was, uh, it was a really, really hard struggle to change that mindset and just say, okay, what can I do today that's going to make me a better person today? Yeah. So that I can look in the in the mirror. So one of my mantras um, that I say to myself when I go to bed at night is, I ask myself, did I do the best I can with what I have for the ones I love? And if the answer is yes, then I'm okay. I can sleep well. Right. If the answer is no, where I slacked in one of those events. Like, did I do the best I could? Well, no, I kind of slacked here. I didn't really put in effort there, you know, wherever it is. Um, then I go to sleep and I, I don't really sleep. I kind of feel shitty about myself. It's like, man, I had an opportunity. I could have done a little bit better. So the next day I just get up and I was like, okay, I remember yesterday. I'm not going to dwell on it. Yeah. I forgive myself for that. That was yesterday. Today, I'm going to do the best I can with what I have for the ones I love. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's just, some days it's nothing. 
some days you got to help they need to help you yeah right and then sure. some some days and that's okay it's it's all you got today some days you build a mountain for them it's like yeah. holy shit i just built you a castle yeah i feel good but a lot of those days it's just holy man i got nothing in me <laughs> yeah I got nothing in me this is all i got can you help me out a little bit and the people that love you will genuinely help you out a little bit absolutely right yeah and that's something we talk about oh my god you and i were talking about this before we hit the on-air switch and talking about resilience right and i know for me the more i study on this and the more I put together programming and whatnot, right? It's about these positive supports that we can put into our lives. And it's, it's not, you know, you and I talked about this, you're not born with this super resiliency power, right? But you can build on it. You can add things to your, to your support network to help you on those days where you don't feel like you have it. Yeah. Whereas in my journey before, I didn't feel like I had it some days, but I didn't have a support network or I wasn't willing to reach out and let anybody help me. Mm-hmm. And I would just sink deeper and deeper into that pit. And then, yeah. you know, for me, that led to drugs and alcohol and suicide and all these other things. But in this new, you know, version 2.0 of my life, I have this very intense and supportive network that, that I can lean on when I'm having those days where I just don't feel like I have it today, but man, my, my network picks me up. Yeah, and that's the important thing is allowing them to do that mm-hmm. as well, right? Because there's so many people out there, and I was one of them at one point where I didn't rely on my, it's like, no, excuse me, I can do it myself. Yeah. I'll do it myself. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. For sure. Like, fuck off, leave me alone. Right? Yeah. Um, excuse me for swearing. That's right? all right. Um, but it allowing to open yourself up to the help that people see that you need or that you don't necessarily realize that you need, right? So when you're sober, and of clear mind, you make a choice. Now you have to trust yourself with that choice when shit hits the fan, right? You have to say, okay, this person, myself, at this point in time of clear mind, good decision, I decided that this was an important path for me. So when shit hits the fan and you're you're dipping into the alcohol and drugs or whatever the, the, the self-destructive things are, you have to trust yourself that made that decision and say okay this is worth it so i'm going to put a little energy i'm going to take one step in that direction because you know what like if i take one that could lead to two Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden now it's three four five and my steps are going forward right and it's not you're right we're not born being tough like rocky said in one of his movies it's not how hard you can hit it's how hard can you get hit yeah and keep moving forward right? That resiliency and where there's a will, there's a way. If you truly want to change, you're going to find out that way. You're going to figure it out. Now, whether it's um, trusting the support group that you have, because they're going to, everybody needs to be picked up. Mm -hmm. Everybody falls down. Everybody needs to be picked up. Doesn't matter how strong you are or how nice their life seems to be behind closed doors. Everybody's life is a struggle. For sure. And when you are feeling at your low, you have to accept that help and say, okay, now don't depending on it. You don't want to be that person. That's all of a sudden. Now everyone's helping you every day. Mm-hmm. It's okay. They pick me up. Now they pick me up onto my feet so that I could try and walk, not just fall down again. Right now they pick me up again. Okay. And well, I got to take one step by myself, yeah. at least one step. Right. And then you take that one step and you fall. Well, no big deal. They'll pick you up. Maybe this time you get two steps. Right. You get three. That's resilience. That's where you find that passion, that desire. And then all of a sudden those, those steps are easier and easier and easier to take all the time. It's just that commitment and that trust that it was important when you thought about it, 
it's still important now. For sure. No matter whether or not you're down and out or nothing, take those steps for that positive, positive life that you want to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And the part that I really love is when you take those and, and I speak from my experience, you take those one, two, three steps, which can be seem like astronomical hurdles at the time, but you, you somehow get yourself to take them and you're using that support network to help you along, right? They're not taking the steps for you, but they're there to kind of, I always talk about guardrails. They're there to keep you on the road, right? So you don't fall in the ditch anymore, but you're doing the work. And then you can recognize those moments of opportunity, right? When you're taking those steps and you're open-minded to this new support, a lot of times that window opens and you're there to, holy shit, there's something I've never seen before, or I've never been exposed to this. Maybe I should try this. And it's about these new skills and abilities that we can learn along the way that help us in that journey to a, whatever it is, a better quality of life. I don't know what everyone's life looks like, but for me, it's like once I became open-minded and willing to listen to other people's suggestions and then maybe try those one, two, three steps, you know, in that path, man, life started to change. And I started to learn new things on how to, how to navigate life, I guess. And what a surprise at what you could find out how good you're at at things. Oh my God, for sure. Right? You have no idea if you're good at something until you actually put some effort into it. And mm-hmm. not being good at something is a great thing because now you're challenged to learn it. Yeah. Right? And when you're learning it, now you've engaged your mind, your body, and your spirit to work together to try and, hey, wait a second. Like, this is... That's so true. This and is something I can do. What? What a shocker. I never thought I could do this. Yeah, absolutely. And that really reminds me of, uh, I can't remember what show I was watching the other day, but the individual talked about the destination and, and, you know, he put some students into this, into this group and they had to do this assignment for the whole semester, whatever. And they're doing a presentation at the end and the teacher summarized it by saying, I think what you're saying is that the destination is the journey and not the final point on the map, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's about the journey itself. And that really stuck out for me as, you know, you'd never know what you're capable of doing if you don't start doing it and trying, right? Yeah, exactly right. And some people need that destination to focus on to try and get to it. But when, mm-hmm. uh, like myself with the Olympics is when I got to that destination, that was over. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do now, right? Sure. So if you don't, if you can along that journey start to develop others or find other paths, it's like, okay, well, as soon as I do accomplish this goal, if that's what I'm doing, then I'm going to end up traveling on this path right away or whatever the case is, right? You want to make sure that your options are open yeah, and you're not pigeonholing yourself just the one thing. I'm just this, right? Yeah. Like my whole life, I consider myself to be a fighter, a, war- a warrior. I'm, I'm tough. I can take a beating. Yeah. Like, is that a quality? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I know it's Today it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it's, it's, it's taken a lot of brain cells to, to really sharpen my skills in that event but right you know like i'm trying to use that quality to help people learn how durable they are right whether it's emotional spiritual physical like life is going to throw shit at everybody and they're it's going to throw hard stuff at everybody Mm -hmm. and just because some people don't seem to have that well maybe they've made the choices to not let it knock them down Maybe they've made the choices to keep on that step forward, step forward, step forward. Whereas myself for a time, I made the choice to not, and I'd get knocked down and I just want to sit here for a while and yeah. pout and whine and complain. And, <clears throat> and hopefully somebody picked me up or not, yeah. you know, didn't care at that time. Right. But 
you know, luckily I had a wife that said, come on, you lazy ass, get up, get yeah. to work. Let's do this. You know, you're not just a fighter. You can't be a fighter anymore because if you hurt yourself or your brain dead by the time you're 50, I'm not taking care of you. Right, <laughs> so, right. Oh, yeah. damn. I don't, I don't want to lose you because I'm brain dead. Right. Yeah, that's cool. You uh, sound like you got a pretty wonderful wife. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> There's no doubt. That's cool. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it's that will to make the choice and it's, it's so much of a struggle and everybody has them, but you have to just trust yourself that this is the step forward. And if that step forward is just pick up your foot and put it down in the same spot today, then that's all it is today. Yeah. If tomorrow it's take six inches forward, then fine. Maybe one day you're going to be ambitious enough and you're going to do a little sprint. Right. Right. You know, whatever it is, appreciate it and love it. And, and it's part of your journey. Yeah. You're going to be learning. Like we all live, we all die. And what that path is road there is the choices that we make. Mm -hmm. So if we want to focus on the negative and we want to choose the negative, then guess what's going to happen to us. Right. For sure. So, So when we talk to ourselves, oh, I can't, I'm a loser. I'm a bum. I'm a this. Well, then that's what you're going to be. Yeah. Right. It's so true. You know, if you can get out of that and know your self-worth, which everybody has, everybody is a beautiful person. Everybody has goodness inside of them. There's some people that are evil, but well, there's balance in the universe as well. Right. So if if you decide you want to be a good person, you just make those decisions and that's what you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So I like what you were saying earlier about, uh, you know, hard things and, and, I notice this lots in the gym. I notice this in, you know, my journey in recovery and working with other people and helping them in their path to recovery. And it's that comparison thing where, you know, you hear somebody say, Oh, you work so hard today. And no, I didn't work very hard. They'll say on the back end. Right. And I'm like, well, why are, I just find so many people compare their, their hard things to the next person's hard things. Right. And what I find hard, you might find so easy in life. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's the same as, in recovery, I hear people all the time, oh, I wish I was at two years like you are, whatever, right? And I'm like, we all started on day one and it was hard as hell yeah. on day one, right? And and we all had to travel this path and go on our journey of, you know, day two, day three, day four. And, and we all experienced different hardships along the way. But um, I like how you were talking about, you know, people talking about what's hard. It seems really hard. And for me, I always bring it back to that piece. What's hard for me might not be hard for you. And if I compare that all the time, I'm always going to wind up with the short end of the stick because everybody's different. We're all born with different unique abilities and different skills. And and we've experienced different things along the way that have taught us different tips, tricks, survival techniques, whatever that is. Right. And maybe it's not that, you know, it's hard for me today. It's just, I haven't been exposed to the tools that you have. Right. Or, Mm-hmm. it's kind of like trauma. I always hear when people talk about trauma, right? They compare trauma. Well, oh yeah, well, my dad, he died in a vehicle accident and I had, I watched that, right? But that doesn't mean my trauma is more difficult or, you know, worse than trauma you've experienced, right? Trauma is so hard to compare because it's unique to the individual and how it's perceived to them and the impact it has on their body. And most definitely, most yeah. definitely, because everybody's, and that's one of the things that I focus on at the gym in my classes is um, everybody moves differently. I'm going to give you guidelines on how to move healthy and strong, but you got to make sure you're moving that's going to challenge your body mm-hmm. because 50 sit-ups for one person might be a joke, <laughs> not even a challenge. Yeah, 
five sit-ups for somebody else or even just getting one full sit-up could be a challenge. Now, they have worked harder than the person who did 50 sit-ups. It doesn't matter what the number is. So they just put in more effort to make change in their life than they did. Absolutely. Because that person who did 50 sit-ups, that's a breeze. Anybody can do that. Yeah. All right. It's like a video I watched years ago uh, about this teacher back in the 70s. He held up a glass of water and he said, he asked the class, how much does this weigh? And they're all like eight ounces, nine ounces, 12 ounces, whatever. They're all giving out weights. He says, well, it depends on how long you hold it. Yeah. You want to hold this glass of water here for five minutes? Okay, maybe it's eight ounces. You want to hold this glass of water here for five hours? Well, that's a different weight. Yeah. Right? And that's the same with trauma. Yeah. So when people, they might brush it off. Something bad happens to them or someone they love or whatever the case happens, they might brush it off, put it in the back of their mind and just say, ah, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Not deal with it. Not accept it. For sure. Not forgive it or allow it to leave. Right? And then they hold on to it. Well, you're holding that trauma for 10, 15, 25 years. And then all of a sudden that trauma, like I, I had a really personal experience with this in, in the sense that I've had a lot of physical traumas throughout my life. Um, I had a really rough upbringing, right? My brother and I, we beat the shit out of each other. Well, I was the younger brother, so I got the shit beat out of me <laughs> lots. But I even challenged him a lot. It became a normal life for me to challenge him and say, yeah, you can't do this. I challenged him the one day, you can't take me down if you got your right hand handcuffed to your left foot. Well, he handcuffed his right hand to his left foot. And I'm looking in the group of friends that we were standing there. I was like, is he serious? Is it like this fucking guy really serious? And then all of a sudden, somebody said, go. And he leapt across the room, grabbed me with his left hand, headbutted me, bit my face, bit my neck. He had me submitted, crying damn near, in a matter of five seconds because wow. of his ferocity, right? And he was just, he's not accepting any kind of beat down from his little brother. It's like, yeah, I don't care what kind of challenge you give me, I'm going to own you. Yeah. Right? That was his confidence. And that was, I was like, I was just shocked. I was like, holy cow. Right? So I had a lot of those growing up. And then I realized in, in my 40s that your body takes count, right? Mm -hmm. it, it remembers. So now if you picture your body as a glass and each trauma kind of gets fed down to your toes and then your ankles, then your calves, then your legs, all the way up. Now all of a sudden you're full, right? You got nowhere to store this anymore. So now all of a sudden you're having blown out knees or shoulder pain or back pain or something like that. That's not really explainable. How did I hurt myself? I don't even know how I hurt myself, but today I can't work. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. Well, try forgiving yourself. You don't even need to understand it. You don't need to know what it's about or why it happened. I had a knee blowout and I had knee surgery because of a trauma that was from when I was 15 years old. Um, that wasn't my fault, Yeah, but subconsciously I suppressed it. And that was the one that was coming out because I was full. And now it's that I forgive and I, I, I don't forget, but I forgive and I let it go. Mm -hmm. It served its purpose. I learned my lessons. I've carried it long enough and I let it go. And now my knee is strong, right? Now my body is getting, I'm, I'm emptying that glass over yeah. and over every night by just saying whatever it is. I don't care what you did to me in the past or what I did to myself in the past. It is forgiven. It is just, it served its purpose. I've learned my lesson. Let it go. It's a weight you don't need to carry. Put the glass down, mm -hmm. right? Let go of it, especially if it was in the past, right? Don't let it affect your future. Yeah. We did an exercise like that when I was, uh, well, 40 years old as well. And, and I spent my 40th birthday in a treatment center. 
And, you know, four or five weeks into it, we did an exercise like that where we looked at a lot of our past traumas and, you know, we spent the first three, four weeks talking about this stuff with trained professionals around and psychologists and counselors. But, and then the, the analogy was, here's your backpack. Now put your backpack on and here's a table full of baseball size rocks. And these are your traumas. You pick out the ones that you've been carrying for five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? And we're going to put them in that backpack and you're going to wear that for the rest of the afternoon and see how heavy and how exhausting that is. And that's, that's what your body has been doing for five, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Carrying around that weight of that trauma, even though it's in our backpack, it's behind us. We, we don't acknowledge it. We're not looking at it, but man, it gets exhausting by three 30 in the afternoon. My back was killing me. <laughs> right? And, and it makes so much sense to me. Now we carry around those traumas. Like I was saying earlier, when my dad passed away, you know, I, I witnessed his vehicle accident and it's, it's seven, eight o'clock at night and he's down in the ditch and it's, you know, he's passed away in his truck from this accident. And, and what do I do as a man? I had lots of people tell me you should go to therapy, all these things. I'm like, bullshit. I'm not doing that. My dad wouldn't do that. I'll yeah. just drink a little more, which, you know, I didn't specifically say that, but that's how I coped with it. And then yeah. I went back to work seven days later and, and then within five years I was a full blown cocaine addict and yeah. alcoholic and, you know, having extramarital affairs, everything I could do not to face any of the stuff that I had been exposed to or that I had experienced. Right. I just numbed it out with all these other coping mechanisms that just at the end of the day, were turning my life upside down. But, and now talking about that stuff right now, if I experience any kind of negative, well, negative experience, I sit with it at the end of the day, like you were saying, right? If I can't correct it in the moment, I'll sit with it at the end of that day and examine that piece about how was I wrong today or did I wrong somebody or was something negative done in my presence and what could I have done differently to, to make a more positive outcome type thing, right? And own that piece and try to work on that and learn from it so I don't carry it into tomorrow and do it again tomorrow and the next day. Yeah, it, and it's... I think a lot of it is, is understanding yourself and listening to your body right, mm -hmm. and your mind and your spirit, but, but allowing yourself to be open to the tattletales, the red flags, the, um, uh, the, the signs that you get of there's something wrong. Yeah. Right. Like if you got, you wake up in the morning or you just sometime throughout the day, like one of the worst back injuries I ever had was picking up my two year old daughter. Right. And it just subluxed my rib off my spine and I was crippled for two weeks. And I'm like, holy cow, like what's going on? What right. happened? I was overworking myself. I was overworking myself psychologically. I was uh, a lot of stress on my mind. How am I going to provide for my family? This was shortly after the Olympics. And I was just, uh, I didn't know where to go, what to do with myself. How am I going to provide for my family? What kind of man am I if I can't mm -hmm. give my, my family what they need? Right. Like, and I was beating up on myself lots and, and that just turned over and picked her up and I hurt myself and I had a lot of time to think about it. And it wasn't until 10 years later that I started to understand that these little traumas that, like you said before, um, you know, this guy does 50 sit-ups, this person does one, this person, the one who did one put in actually more effort for change than the 50, mm -hmm. right? Just like trauma. You lost your father in a car accident and I have no idea, but yet. I had somebody disrespect my wife and I didn't, I didn't act on it. So now that to me is something that I'm eating myself up about. It's like, Oh, I want to go back and I want to do this. I want to act this way. And I want to put that guy in his place. And it's off, oh, 
you know, like just get so angry with myself. And I lived it for a, a, quite a long time. I was like, man. And then finally I was like, okay, well, enough of this beating myself up about not reacting when I should have. How can I correct it now? Yeah. So I went to that man and I politely asked him to apologize to my wife the next time. He didn't even know he would, he had done it cause he was drunk and stupid and he was just disrespectful and he didn't know he had done it. And he said, yeah, of course I will. Wow. I said, I'm so sorry. And not just me taking that step forward into saying, okay, well, I didn't act then instead of me just breaking his face when I see him next time and saying, okay, this is how I'm going to react in this negative way to stop people from disrespecting my wife. And that'll make me feel good as a man. It's like, well, actually I feel a lot better now when I just went to him and said, Hey, you disrespected my wife. I want you to apologize for it. Can you do that? If your choice is not, then I don't know where we're going to go from there. However, this is the option we have yeah. at this point. Right. So when he decided, yeah. And he immediately, the next time he saw, it, he apologized and you know, everything's good. And I feel that weight off of me now that I'm not holding that glass anymore. I'm not beating myself up about being less of a man or whatever the case is. It's, and, and I recognize this in so many different avenues in my life as well, where I can apply that same forgiveness of myself and my own actions. Mm-hmm. Right. If I was drunk and stupid and offended somebody or, or did something that I'm embarrassed of and, 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 uh, ashamed of, okay, I'm just going to prevent me from getting to that point anymore. You know, I, I forgive myself for being a stupid idiot and an asshole. Uh, I apologize to the people I needed to made the corrections I possibly could have Mm -hmm. and just put in that effort. And it's amazing how much the word thank you. And I'm sorry, actually help people. For sure. Right. So like being in traumatic situations, right. You, you can't judge somebody else's because somebody will eat away at themselves for something simple that you think nothing of. Right. And whereas somebody else will push to the back of their mind, the most horrific trauma that's ever been known. And they'll think nothing of it. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Right. So those words, I don't care. They kind of cut you off from that aspect of. Of, okay, is this going to bother me or not? Some people have no problem at all saying that. Yeah. Some people have all the hardships in the world saying that. Right. You know, being able to say, mm-hmm. I don't care some days allows me to sleep a little bit better because yeah. if it's not something that I can control or change at that time, I'll take a deep breath. I don't care. And then I'll sleep night nicely that night if I can. And then I get up in the next day and it's, how can I make this different? Yeah. That's, I, I, that really resonates with me and that piece around what parts of this can I control is the part that I focus on now, which I never, I used to think I could control everything in life, mm-hmm. but now it's like, which mountain am I ready to die on? And it's not the ones I can't control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's so many situations like you were just saying, right? That other than my thoughts and my behavior, that's the two pieces I can control in just about every situation. The rest is going to happen how it's going to happen. And it's how am I going to react to that? Right. And usually I used to react to all that stuff in, in most of the time with aggression, right? I could control people through aggression and violence and, and manipulation and a lot of shitty behaviors. But now it's like, man, I've, I've done all this work to change who I am today. And now I focus internally first. What do I believe is valuable in this? What parts can I control? And then the rest of the world is going to happen as it happens. And that's what, you know, 
I don't care how you were saying, right? I say that all the time too, but it's legitimately, I don't care about the pieces I can't control is the piece I'm focused on now. Yeah. Whereas before I used to say that in a kind of an arrogant kind of way, I don't Mm. care about any of this shit and it's not true. No, no. And it doesn't have to be true, but you can apply that to the aspect of the backpack as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like where we get dependencies, whether it's, uh, drugs and alcohol. So we're carrying this backpack around for so long and it's so heavy and we're like, okay, well, instead of figuring out how to put that backpack down or to lighten the load on it, we want to figure out how we can make ourselves feel like it's lighter or Mm -hmm. forget about it. Right. So whether it's, uh, uppers or whether it's, uh, any kind of drugs that are just going to make you feel high of life. And then, then the alcohol, the downers, whatever you got, that's going to either make you forget about this backpack or going to help you bear the weight of it yeah. for that time being. Instead, if we can figure out, put our mind and our body towards what's weighing me down. Why do I feel so shitty? Why? Like, what can I put down? Can I put the glass down? Can I put the backpack down? Mm-hmm. If not, can I empty some shit out of the backpack? Yeah. You know, even if I got a razor blade in my pocket and it, reach down behind my back and slice the bottom of the backpack. So some of those rocks fall out, like whatever mm-hmm. kind of answers you can come up with. For sure. Um, take the weight off instead of finding those, those things that are going to help you not even cope with it. You're yeah. just, it's just like putting a bandaid on it. It's numbing it out. Yeah. And that's, that is so true with, you know, like we talked about drugs and alcohol, right? For me, they worked amazing. That's what mm-hmm. the, the reason I was using them now that I look back and I see the right. And I, I have the knowledge and the understanding and of why I used them. And I'm not going to lie. They worked amazing for that's exactly what they were supposed to do. And they worked wonderfully mm-hmm. until it got so heavy and they stopped working. And that's when I was like, well, holy smokes, my only coping mechanism I've known for the last 10, 12 years or whatever, isn't working anymore. Now, what do I do? And I've, pigeonholed myself where I'm a man. I'm not asking for help. I'm surely not going to go see a counselor. I'm not going for support. I should be able to think my way out of this and figure it out. Cause that's what I would do as a man. Yeah. I should be able to figure this out. And that led me to attempting to take my life by suicide because that was the only way I could see getting out of this problem or, or getting that backpack off my back. It was so heavy. And, uh, that's the one thing I always talk to people about is, you know, the drugs and the alcohol weren't, weren't really my problem. That was the solution to my problems that I wasn't really looking at dealing with or figuring out what the causes were or. Yeah. And, uh, man, that, that was life changing for me when I understood that, that by having these conversations like we are today and Mm -hmm. and starting to shed some light on these things that, you know, I don't know about you, but I can kind of assume that for me, I was brought up. We don't talk about this shit. We don't Mm -hmm. talk about this, especially being two dudes, right? No, exactly right. Like uh, my family, we never said, I I love you. No. That was not something we ever said. That was soft, right? Yeah. Um, And then my wife's family says it to each other every day. Yeah. And I'm like, God, you guys are overusing that word. And then I'm I'm, like, like I'm slowly transitioning to the, no, you're not overusing that word. You're expressing how you feel about those people you're talking to. And Mm -hmm. it's like, they should know that you love them. And by saying it, on a regular basis, now it kind of sinks in and, and it, it feels good Yeah, to hear those words. And it's, you know, uh, it, it, it's crazy. It, it really is. And, and, you know, I joke about this all the time, but it, it's not really a joke, but in my household, especially around my dad, you know, 
it was more acceptable to drop the F-bomb, to drop that four-letter word than it was to say help. Help was like the dirtiest four-letter word I could say. I'd get a, you know, you fix that yourself or you figure it out, these types of things, right? And I'd be like, I just need a little help here. No, you'll figure this out. And it wouldn't matter if it was math, hockey, whatever it was. If I needed a little help, it was almost acknowledged as a sign of weakness. That's how I perceived it anyway. If I asked for help, right now you're weak. Mm-hmm. So I just learned not to ask for help and I'm going to struggle with whatever it is until I get it figured out. And but, now I see how much easier it is if you, you do ask for help and you get that support. Yeah. And, and that's the important thing that we've pigeonholed ourselves into throughout the years, especially as being a man, an independent man, you need to be the provider. You need to be the, uh, the strong arm, the, the disciplinary action, you know, the, all these different um, stereotypes that we're supposed to follow, right? Yeah. Like to, just to uh, give an example, right? Like I play with my kids. My wife takes care of them, right? So dad's the fun dad, mom's the mean girl, right? But when it comes to disciplinary action, it's dad's the firm one. When he speaks, you listen. Mom's, ah, we can just that whatever she's not serious right? yeah it's like well wait a second you know and and this is much different now than it was you know 23 years ago when my first son was born right right back then you give him a cuff on the ass and say hey straighten up now you raise your hand to your kid and there's child services coming <laughs> through your door so totally. hey you can't even do that right yeah um, so it's a much different world nowadays of course and i have friends of mine that have raised their kids with no physical discipline at all and amazing children they are amazing people they are of yeah. course however in my life it's i don't know how to do that so yeah. I, you can ask for help right like you, you're born up you know you, you like you're born you're raised and you know what you experience so if you don't ask outside of your box your realm of experience then you'll never know what you don't know and you'll never know what you really need help with or how many people can truly help you and so easily yeah you know and are willing to help you for sure right so if you sit in your own little box struggled with your own experiences well if you're not thinking outside that box and you're not coming up with new answers and you're just going to repeat, repeat, repeat and, and end up living the same life your parents lived in, in, in a sense, um, maybe some different aspects to it. But um, if you ask for help, now you're getting somebody else's experience in there and somebody else's life in there. And they're like, oh, hey, just wait a second. You know what? Wait, we actually dealt with this situation in a different way. Mm-hmm. And maybe that now that resonates with you. And that's just a great way to handle it. Like it, it just becomes so much easier because when you share ideas with people, now all of a sudden, if I give you a stupid idea, um, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to have two or three ideas of your own on top of that. Sure. And then if you share those back with me or somebody else, well, now we got just an infinite number of ideas that are coming off of that one basic idea where I was stumped. It's like writer's block almost, mm-hmm. right? Where sure. I was stumped. And now I'm feeding it because I was too embarrassed. Oh, this is a stupid idea. I'm not going to share that with anybody. Yeah. Or if I spit it out and somebody else says, oh yeah, it's a stupid idea. However, yeah. what about this? Or what about that? What if we tried this? Mm-hmm. And that, those may be stupid ideas too, but guess what? They've sparked thought. For sure. Sparked process in our mind to say, hey, okay, let's, uh, let's spit this out to somebody else. Maybe Tommy knows this or maybe Jessica knows that or whatever yeah. the case is, right? Boom. Now all of a sudden you got an infinite number of sharing back and forth and it just broadens and goes and goes and goes until an answer prevents itself yeah. or presents itself. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so true. Right. And, and, um, 
without having that conversation, without taking that vulnerable step to, to share that stupid idea that we sit with all the time, you miss out on all those other opportunities, right? Yeah. Those and, windows don't open because sure. you never actually spit it out in the first place. Yeah. And I think for me, when it, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced some of this, it wasn't until I did a lot of self-work and became okay with who I was yeah. and figured out who I was, right? My values, my beliefs, not the ones that were instilled on me by my father and society growing up for the first 30, 40 years of my life. Yeah. Once not, I, not what's expected of you. For right? sure. Yeah. Once I figured out what I really wanted in life and who I was and what was valuable to me, that's when I could start to really appreciate um, throwing out those vulnerable moments, throwing out those comments or, or stupid questions or whatever it was, right? Because I'm okay with it now. Yeah. I know who I am. And I'm not worried about being perceived as an idiot or a fool or wanting everyone to like me anymore and all these things, yeah. right? I'm okay with who I am. And if you yeah. think that's stupid, that's, that's great. Okay. But yeah. there might be three people over here who are happy, For right? Sure. I actually had that conversation with my kids uh, many years ago. I saw uh, uh, um, a social experiment they had. They took, uh, I can't remember exact numbers, but we'll just say they took 20 people and they put them on an island and they spent three, four, five days together. So they were making friend groups and all this stuff. The next day they woke up in the morning, they all had a color t-shirt. They had a blue t-shirt or they had a red t-shirt in their room. They were asked to put it on. So they wore those, those t-shirts for the rest of the day. And they had to wear those t-shirts for the rest of the experiment. So while they were wearing these t-shirts, they all of a sudden started being mean to each other. It's like, oh no, you're part of the blue group. You can't mm -hmm. sit with us. Like, why are you sitting over here? You're part of the blue group, Right. And then all of a sudden there were some people that were strong, right? They were strong. They were like, oh, I'm maintaining my friendship with the other color. I don't care. Like nobody said otherwise, right? right? But it didn't take more than 36 hours before those groups were separated. And the people were so mean on the one side to the people that wanted to inter interact that they, they ended up conforming. Wow. Right. So this whole test was about conformity. Yeah. And they ended up separating. So the people that were uh, blue and red still talking to each other, the other team, like their their respective colors were so like, hey, you can't talk to him. He's a blue. And it's like, well, wait a second. Nobody said any different. Right. And then they started having competitions and stuff like that. So then all of a sudden they're not sitting at tables together. They're not even talking to each other. They're starting to get angry and animosity to each other. Right. And I, so I talked to my kids about that and I said, Hey, what color shirt are you wearing today? It says purple. It's like, good. I said, you know, what, what do you want to wear if somebody says otherwise? They're like, uh, purple. Yeah. It's like, okay, good. Because that one person that's wearing the purple shirt is going to be shunned by so many people. But if he's courageous and strong enough to walk that path, now he's inspired someone from the red team that, Hey, if I'm with you, can I wear a yellow shirt? Of course you can. I don't give a shit what you wear. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Weight lifted off their shoulder. There's a person wearing yellow, another one pink, another one green. Someone come from the blue corner or from the blue team comes over and says, hey, can I wear a black shirt, white shirt, whatever. So now all of a sudden he's inspiring these people to be courageous on their own and break away from their groups, no matter how much backlash they get from their groups, yeah. which they do. And, and just be themselves. So it yeah. takes that courageous, that confidence person, like you said, to speak that mind and say, hey, I have a stupid idea. Maybe it's a stupid idea. Maybe somebody else will think it's brilliant. Right. Um, but the courage to speak and the courage to say, hey, I'm struggling here. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And if one looks at you and says, no, fuck off, I can't help you, you know, 
maybe the next person you ask will. Yeah. Right. And, and just you pick your battles and you don't have to be offended or upset with the person that says no, maybe they just don't have it in their capacity to be able to help you. And that's their weakness, not yours. Mm -hmm. So when you can actually have that courage, the only weakness you can display is the lack of courage to ask for help if you truly need it. Right. Just to be able to have that courage and self-confidence to say, Hey, I'm struggling. I need this, or I'm, I'm in a bad way or I'm in a bad spot or whatever the case is. Will you help me? And if the answer is no, okay, well, keep pushing forward. Mm -hmm. Somebody out there is going to help you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, I guess that's kind of the concept of how we got started at our collective journey is somebody was there to help us mm -hmm. at one point in our journey. Right. And, and I know how hard it was to get to that point to ask for help. So if we can make that really accessible and break down those, you know, those barriers, try to make it as easy as possible to connect with us. Yeah. And everybody needs different help. Absolutely. Right. Some people just need a pat on the back. Yeah. Like, like not to sidetrack a little bit here, but motivation, right? Yeah. Like I, I teach a lot of teams and, and I look at these teams and I'm like, okay, the, the coach is out there yelling, Hey, get off your ass. You can't be so lazy. Get to work. Come on. You got to do this. You know, where were you on that pass or where were you on this? Right. And, and there's some kids that respond to that. Like I've had one athlete leave one of my classes and not come back for a few weeks. And I asked him the next time I saw him, I said, well, wh well why didn't you come? Where you been? He's like, I can't have you talking to me like a pussy anymore. Yeah. Like, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you're constantly telling me, oh, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work, this and that. He's like, I, I, I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. He's like, if I'm screwing up, tell me I'm screwing up. If I'm being lazy, tell me I'm being lazy. So now I'm a hard ass on him. Yeah. I was like, hey, man, did you come here to work out? Did you just come here to sit here and smile? Yeah. Like, get your fucking ass up and get going. Yeah. Like, get to work. Right. Whereas somebody right beside him, I might have to say, hey, you're doing a great job. Like there's three main different motivations that I've learned of that, are pretty general you know you got that person that has that you need that hard ass you need to be hey get your ass out of the, you came here to work get to work come on stop being a pussy you got to get to work yeah um you got that person needs that proverbial pat on the back that says hey you're doing a great job keep up the good work let's lift you up with positive affirmations and then you got those people that are competitive that need someone to drive against need to push against like maybe you're you won't go to rehab or anything unless you have someone go with you, mm -hmm. right? Like those kind of people, right? So when you can learn those people and their motivations, if you can learn that about yourself and what kind of motivation, when someone talks harsh to me, am I going to step up and prove them wrong? You know, if somebody calls me a bitch or a pussy, am I going to say, okay, well, yeah, watch this. Yeah. I'll show you, right? You tell right. me I can't, I'll show you I will, Yeah. right? Or am I the guy that needs that stroke on the ego and says, hey, you're doing good, man, keep it up. Yeah. You know, myself, I'm a challenger, right? I like that person that's right beside me saying, hey, I can do this. Can you do it better? So like, yeah. yeah, hell yeah, I can. Watch this, right? And then they, they challenge me more by getting one step ahead. If you don't know that about yourself, then you're never going to find that in anybody else as well. Right. And if you want to make change in someone's life, you have to learn how to motivate them. Because if you're talking to them in the wrong motivation, now all of a sudden they're just going to crash and crumble. Yeah. Right? Like Absolutely. It was, it's not, not come back for two or three weeks. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah. Just because I was talking nice to him. Yeah. Right. It's like, nah, I didn't sure. come here to listen to you stroke my ego and say, you're doing a good job. No, it's like, okay, sorry. Yeah. Well, and that was a life lesson for me in the sense that I, I know that now about the teams that I work with. I know that about my athletes that I train at the gym and, and even myself and how do I get motivated? Well, 
I get pretty unmotivated when my wife comes to me and starts correcting me on things and saying, Hey, you're doing this wrong. Or she's, she, you know, like this. And I'm like, you know what? You're just, you're not motivating me right now. <laughs> like I'm like, fuck you. I'm done doing it. Yeah. Like I got renovations in my house that she's bugging me about it because they've been there for three years and it's just a corner. I tore out a closet and, and she's yelling at me because this closet's not done. And, and it was just to make a hallway. And I'm like, well, I got, I can't even explain why I'm not doing it. But every time you talk about it, I'm like, yeah. yeah, well, that's going to sit there all day. <laughs> you know, uh, and as totally. spiteful on my own side, but then some days I just pick something up. I'm like, oh, I'm going to impress her today. Yeah. Right. You know, what, what motivates you to do that? Mm -hmm. And what motivates someone to, to help? What motivates to somebody like, did you do a good deed today? Did yeah. you open a door and hold the door for somebody? For sure. Right. Did that make you feel good? Good enough. Small. Did they say thank you about that? I snapped on a guy one day and uh, I think it was a Tim Hortons because my six-year-old daughter opened the door and held it for him and held long for him to come through and he just stormed right by. And I'm like, you're fucking welcome. Yeah. And he turns around and goes, what? I, I pointed at the six-year-old girl holding the door and I was ready to fight this guy. In front of my daughter, which is a big mistake, <laughs> but it was just that aggression, like a simple word of thank you. Yeah. Right. Um, but he was focused in his mind and now I understand that, okay, he was, he was on a path. He was on a mission. He didn't even know she was there. Right. Right. So forgiveness on that aspect. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, don't be an asshole. Whatever. You don't have to <laughs> fight people. Right. Like it's, um, but you know, to backtrack a little bit, that, that motivation, right. So if you're looking at somebody that needs help. And is afraid to ask for it. Mm -hmm. How can you motivate for them? So being the helper, if they're denying, 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 saying, I'm not, I don't want your help. Leave me the fuck alone. I don't yeah. need help. You know, I'm the man. I'm going to do it. I can do it. You know, how can you get through that barrier? How yeah. can you find out what motivates them? Yeah. That's a big piece, I think. Right. And lots of times I find it, it comes down to, like you were saying, right. If you can't recognize it in yourself, how are you going to help somebody else? And it, it comes down to recognizing it in myself. And then how am I going to deliver that in a meaningful way that this might be the way that it gets through to this person? Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it, it's just like the cookie cutter. It's not going to work for everybody. Right. No, you're not, not at all. Yeah. And that's the big piece that, you know, you and I both have different careers, but a lot of it overlaps. I think like mm -hmm. I've talked about this so many times with my spouse and with other people, they're like, Oh, you go to Badlands training center. There's a shameless plug, Hammy. You owe me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, you know, it doesn't matter. There's hundreds of gyms. There's probably 20 gyms in this city, right? They all have weights. They all have treadmills. They all have this, that, and that's common. That's the cookie cutter in every gym. But I said, this is where I found my place. And it's because of the individuals that work there and the individuals I've met there, right? Like how many times have we sat on the mats after a boxing class or something and talked for half an hour? Yeah. Exactly. That never used to happen at the other gyms I went to. Yeah. And that's like Sean with the, the CrossFitters down on the main floor after their class is done, the 5 AMers, I call them early birds. Yeah. So every time I walk in the gym and they're working out, I'm like, morning early birds. I don't know half of their names. Half of them probably don't even know my name, but I say good morning to them and they sit there and they talk after yeah. the class they're yeah. there they're having coffee and it's the coffee crew they just sit there and they're chatting about whatever life right for sure and they become friends and part family they hold each other accountable for hey where were you how come you didn't show up you know yeah. or you know how are you feeling today totally me, stuff like that like and it's and it's an important aspect right it really is yeah and i've worked at a few other gyms where you know i worked there for three four years and the 
staff at the front desk. I don't even know if they knew I worked there. Mm-hmm. And I'd come in and say, you know, is this happening in the back or is anybody signed in? On? I don't even know if that class is happening tonight. I'm like, well, I know it is because I, I teach it, yeah. <laughs> right? but they don't know it's that personable piece and, and just being able to sit down and have those conversations with you after all our combat classes is part of that reason why, you know, I'll, I'll say it full transparency. Part of that reason why I pay the membership to come to Badlands is because like I could go work out anywhere, mm. but I love the, the, the support that's in that gym and the, the network that I've built and the conversations that you and I have and that I have with Hammy and I have with other people in the gym, right? I look forward to that just as much as the workout some days. Yeah, for sure. There's sometimes you do need to talk, right? And Absolutely. just get stuff off your chest and just, and there's, you can talk about certain things with certain people, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to go to your wife and talk about uh, your buddy cheating on his wife and how you should handle it because you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Like, how should I handle this? Or, or whatever the case is, right? Like, there's so many different conversations that you can have with certain people. Yeah. And if you build those relationships, whether it's at a gym or whether it's at work or whether it's just in the park. Yeah. Right? Just saying hi to somebody is going to start, right? And if you make eye contact with somebody, like, I believe in the universal energies and the path of that kind of stuff. And if you make eye contact and there's mutual eye contact, it probably means that there's needs to be some kind of information change between you two. Yeah. So it's, it's say hi, see what happens. And if the high turns into an eye roll or a downward look and you just ignored, now you gave it to try. Yeah. No big deal. You don't have to stalk somebody or go after them. <laughs> it's just, Hey, I'm talking to you. No, no, you just initiate that contact. And if it's there, great. If it's not, well, what do you do? Right. Yeah. You can just put forth that effort and try. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there might be something really important that needs to be passed from one to the other and something that all of a sudden like stranger danger. However, everyone is a stranger until you become a friend. Yeah. Right. That's so so that, true, yeah. that stranger be cautious, but at the same time, talk to them, talk to that person because that person might be your next best friend. Yeah. Right. Wow. It, it might be something you need to give to them to help them or they give to you to help you in your life. Like For I've sure. learned much more from the athletes that I train than I think I've ever taught them just by self-reflection and the things that they say and the cues that they give. I'm like, Oh, look at that. Eh? Like that's just, wow. Just an eye opener that this young, young person here in my, in my class is going to give me this speck of wisdom. Like, yeah. Holy cow. Like, Whoa. That's, that's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, and when I'm working with somebody, you know, in the context of my profession, I learn so much by having that interaction with them right? because mm-hmm. I know what worked for me, but I don't know what's going to work for you, but I'm going to help you find it. And, uh, I'm going to learn, man, I, this is, you know, may sound shocking to people, but I learned so much stuff by working with people that are, you know, struggling with certain things mm-hmm. because all I know is what I know. I don't know what's going to work for them, but when that light bulb turns on and they have those moments that things are working for them and they're finding that motivation and that success and, and they're moving forward in those one, two, three steps that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I learn new things too, all the time by working with these people. So we always say, you know, I'm inadvertently working on my own recovery and strengthening my recovery by helping somebody who's just getting into that stage of their life. Right. Yeah. And it's just so rewarding. Yeah. And you know what, speaking of recovery, I can, I can, 
kind of compare that to fitness, mm -hmm. right? Like you see these people that are walking down the beach or these people that can, can they have all the energy in the world to uh, be with their kids and go on trips or, or, you know, go to these sporting events with their kids all the time. They, they, they seem to have good health. Well, you're not born with good health. Well, you are born with good health. However, you need to work to keep it, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. So going to the gym, these people go to the gym, they're gym rats. That's their dependency. That's what they need um, in order to maintain the lifestyle that they want, right? So I, I think that that's just like recovery in the sense that every day you got to do the work. Mm -hmm. If you want to stay healthy, if you want to stay strong, if you want to be able to provide for your family or you want to be able to compete with your friends or look the way you want to look, uh, whatever the case is, you need to do the work. Yeah. Now, these people are doing the work by going to the gym to do that work, right? In recovery, they're doing the work, whether it's mentally or physically, to every day. Mm -hmm. I need to do the work. For sure. And if I fall off the wagon and all of a sudden I relapse, can I get back to doing the work, mm -hmm. right? Don't dwell on the mistake that threw you off the wagon to get back to work. Yeah. Just get back to work. Absolutely. It's just like someone who spends three months out of the gym and now they're out of shape and they're sore after their first workout. Everybody gets to that point where yeah. they're sore after their first workout and it's like, oh my God, I'm not going back. This is horrible, but you got to go back. You got to do the work because of what you want in the end. Yeah. You want that body. You want that energy. You want that health do the work right if you want recovery you got to do the work Absolutely. and that going to the gym lasts the rest of your life yeah like i'm in my mid-40s now and i'm going to the gym i work at the gym thankfully but i'm going to the, do the exercises that i require to do for the lifestyle i want for mm -hmm. the appearance that i want and i know that as life goes on it could get harder harder and harder and harder and harder to maintain that lifestyle that i want so i gotta do the work yeah Wow. Right. I think that's just a, just a real good metaphor for life in general, right? It doesn't matter what you want out of life. You got to do the work to get it, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're, you win the 649 or something, right? Wow. You got to do the work. But even that, that yeah. like really money gives you, like, like I heard somebody say, that, you know, money will buy you a bed, but it won't get you a good night's sleep. Yeah. You know, money, money will buy you a companion, but it won't buy you a true friend. Yeah. Right, like all these different things, it'll buy you a lot of enemies. Yeah. Oh, right? God, yeah. Everybody sure. who's who's expecting you to give it to them. Yeah. Right. But like, it, it there's some things come easy to people. Yeah. Some, some things you just have to work for. For sure. Right. I'm that person that's always had to work for what I get. Nothing's been handed to me. I've had a lot of support and a lot of great people in my life that have definitely given and given and given, and I've been shy to take. I've always tried to make sure that I was earning it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I mm -hmm. had a, a second mom in my, my life when I was young. Um, at an early age, I was always at their house, and every time I ate there, I'd go out and I'd cut the lawn or I'd shovel the driveway or I would do something to make myself feel like I was earning it. I didn't want to just accept yeah. generosity, right? Where now I'm like, holy it doesn't have to be given back immediately. The universe will help it give back, right? And you just, as long as you're good in heart and yeah. you can you can give it back, maybe you're going to give it back to somebody else. That's right. The paying it forward side yeah. of things, right? Maybe this person doesn't need anything from you. So they're just going to be generous and give it to you and you give it to somebody else down the road. For sure. Whether it's requested or not is how, what makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to, you know, something that, you were sharing some of your mantras earlier. And one of the ones I always talk about is doing the next right thing for the right reason. 
Mm-hmm. And, and when I started to live that and it was the right reason, if it feels good, do it. Yeah. Right. And, and it starts coming back to you. And like you were talking about, right. You, you put that out in the universe and it might not come back today or tomorrow, but eventually it finds its way back in a different form or whatever it looks like. But when I started to do the next right thing for the right reason, man, these really wild, I always call them gifts started showing up Yeah, and they were amazing. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I don't expect them to show up anymore, but I'm not shocked by them anymore. No, no. And it's, it's crazy because you know what, when I moved out to medicine hat, um, the gym in Thunder Bay had, had closed down. So my boxing career was basically over. I was a, I was a, a doorman at a nightclub. So working 12 hours a week, getting in fights and yeah. just stupid shit. Um, and my buddy out here, he moved out here for work. He called me up, said, hey, you want to give it a shot for the next Olympics? So I moved out here and I moved out here with five bucks in my pocket. I moved in with him uh, right away when I got here. I went to the gym and Eldon Wells gave me a job right away at the all-nighter gas station. And then uh, Daryl Mazur, the owner of the Tigers, sponsors me, gets on the bandwagon. And all these people start giving, giving, giving. They're like, oh my God, okay, Trevor, we're going we're gonna to help you train. Right. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. What is, what, you guys don't know me from a hole in the ground. Why are you showing me so much kindness? Right. And I was at home one day in Ontario with the family and, and talking to a friend of mine. He said, Trevor, what have you done your whole life? I said, well, I've done nothing for them. He said, what have you done for others? I said, well, if somebody calls, I help. If somebody needs help, I'm there. I help them. If, if, like I, that's the way I was raised. My dad, Never let a woman do what you can do for her in a physical manner, right? Mm-hmm. Like if she's carrying groceries, I'm carrying them for her, right? And it's just that that aspect. So I was always giving, 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 never expecting anything in return as as I was going. But it came back to me when I came out here. It was like, oh, he, he's like, that's the universe giving back to you what you've always given and wow. never had in return. I'm like, you're kidding, right? Like, no, that's bullshit, right? Yeah. But- now I understand 20 years later, I'm like, I'm understanding that, yeah, that was what I was giving before in my hometown. It wasn't necessarily coming back around in some aspects. It was, don't get me wrong. Great people there. Yeah. Um, but when I came out here, all of a sudden now it's just a flood of kindness and flood of generosity. I'm like, where's this all coming from and why? And it was because of all the good that made me feel good when I was younger doing mm-hmm. what I could don't get me wrong. I was a shithead too. I was a kid. I did some stupid stuff. <laughs> I was no angel by no means, but the, the, the good hearted stuff, right? Like hold the doors for people, carry their groceries if they can't handle them or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. Um, volunteering at the food bank so that I could. And the reason I started volunteering there is because I needed to go to the food bank to feed my kids. Mm-hmm. So one month we went there and we, we accepted food there. So for the next year I was volunteering there, just carrying groceries out for the people that were getting their getting their packages yeah, and that's it. I would just carry them out and they would be so grateful because I was carrying all the heavy stuff that they couldn't carry. Right. And these little things just added up to the universe, giving back at another time. Right. And it was, it was such a great experience and such a, a humbling experience in the sense that, huh? Well, does that mean all the bad things that I did are going to come back too? <laughs> oh boy. Let me just lengthen this cord. Get away, get away from you. You might want to get away from me too. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like there's got to be balance in the universe, right? So yeah. that it's, if you do good, good comes back around. Absolutely. Even, even the most unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. Right. So I remember one story about karma actually that really made me laugh is my old, my, my oldest son 
when he is, I don't know, about seven or eight, um, was bugging his little brother and pulling his, we called it a Nini. That was his blanket that he goes to bed night, night with. Right. Yeah. So it ended up being called Nini's for all these kids. Right. So he pulled his Nini out from under his brother. Right. He pulled his brother's Nini out from under him and his brother started screaming and crying and fighting. And then immediately as my oldest son was running away, his Nini hooked on the bottom of the chair, pulled him off of his feet, smacked his head against the wall. And I just burst out <laughs> laughing like a horrible parent, right? Because my kid just smacked. He's got blood trailing down the back of his head. And he, and he gets up and he's all upset. And it's like, that's instant karma, buddy. Yeah. Like right there. That's the universe saying, hey, stop it. Yeah. Stop doing what you're doing because you're being an asshole. Absolutely. Right? And I just, I'll remember that the rest of my life. Just instant karma right there. I was like, oh, what a lesson. That's, that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, that brings back so many memories of instant <laughs> karma, but we won't get into those today. That'll yeah. be, we'll save those ones for the next episode. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I just want to really thank you for your time coming down here. I know you're a busy man. You got a few jobs on the go and you got five kids and wife and you got life. So oh, do I. And the, yeah, that's, uh, well, I appreciate you asking me to come down because I don't, I, I truly believe that if you have knowledge, you should share it because mm -hmm. what's the point of having knowledge and experience and wisdom, for lack of a better term, um, just knowing how to deal with certain things or train certain aspects of your life or make certain choices for the positive and how things react. If you don't share that information, then how do we evolve as a species? Yeah. How do we get better and stronger as people ourselves? For sure. And and I love the fact that when people can bring it back on me and say, hey, you know what? I tried what you did and it sucks. It's like, okay, well, can we... Can we elaborate on that? Can we figure out how this can actually work for you? Because it worked great for me. Yeah. So, and I don't expect the things that work good for me to work good for others as well, except for in the sense that adapt it to your lifestyle. Yeah. Right? I think that's a big piece, right? Is take what you've heard from somebody else that worked for them, take the suggestions from others and adapt it into your own life. Cause we, we mentioned this earlier, right? What worked for me isn't a guarantee it's going to work for you. But it's a starting block. Yeah. And it's a place to start the conversation. It's a part to start that one step, two steps. Mm -hmm. It might take three steps to the side or whatever that looks like in your journey, but at least it's this place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you allowing me to share those experiences and, and hopefully get some conversations in the background where I can even try not to be selfish here, but take back from, from that. Absolutely. And, and, and learn from others and their experiences as yeah, well. hundred percent. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate, uh, like I said, you coming down and sharing some of your knowledge with us and your time. And, and, uh, well, I don't think I had much of a choice the way you were hitting me at the Badlands training center there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. A w wicked left hook coming in there. The, like, oh, oh, okay. I'll come. <laughs> yeah. All right. right. Yeah. Um, right. Right on. Well, I would have lost the bet. Somebody, I know people would have said, man, you're going to have Trevor on your podcast. You guys are going to share all his old boxing stories and talk about the Olympics and, you know, when I, whenever I sit down with somebody who has, you know, been through something pretty prestigious like that, we've had a few NHL people on here and whatnot, and like, I don't really care about that. You can look that up on YouTube and Wikipedia and you can look at somebody's career, right? But mm -hmm. it's the conversations we had today and the ones that we have on the mat after class and stuff that I find the most value in when you're getting to know somebody, right? And I've had the experience of talking with you now and it just, I was laying on the couch one night at home after you your combat cast class kicked my ass and I was laying there and I'm thinking, man, that Trevor should come on the podcast. You got a lot of wisdom to share and a lot of really valuable things that I've taken away from that gym. Right. And I, 
I love what you said about if you don't share your knowledge with others, really, what, you know, how are we evolving? And it just hit me one day. I'm, yeah. I'm going to ask Trevor after no, class I tomorrow to come on the show. Yeah. I appreciate you having me here on this time. And that's, uh, it's incredible. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, we'll put some, we'll put some links in the footnotes for the gyms that we work out at and the ones that, uh, we work at. I won't put any more shameless bugs out there, but anyway, I really appreciate you coming in Trevor and, uh, I will see you tomorrow at lunch All right. for our next combat class. Perfect. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Thanks for From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the real stories of people who've triumphed over the many challenges of life's journey. If you or a loved one needs support, please reach out to ourcollectivejourney.ca. Our commitment is to empower you to build resilience as you journey towards recovery. Consider showing your support by donating online at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pate. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you.